God for his goodness and thank God for his mercy. It's another day, y'all. We thank God that he is a good God and we thank him for his goodness and his mercy toward us. I don't know about you. I was enjoying that and that was blessing my heart. Amen. God is a good God. He is a merciful God and we do give him all of the praise for certainly uh, it is due him. It is due his name. Amen. So good to see each of you, my father's children. Good evening. This is our Bible study, our Wednesday night in God's word. And we thank you for your presence on tonight. Thank you that you are already in the room. Go ahead and share this with your neighbors and your friends. Uh, thank God that Dorothy Jones is in the house. Good to see you, Sister Jones. Mother Curry, God bless you, Mother Curry. We're still praying for you, dear. God bless you. God is a healer. You hang in there. Josephine Griffin Bronson, good to see you. One of our faithful ushers, God bless you. Good to see you this evening. Sister Cherie, God bless you. Good to see you this evening, Cherie. Amen. Ruth Wilson is with us on tonight. Good to see you, Sister Wilson. Marilyn Langford, God bless you. Sister Langford, always good to see you. Linda Stewart is in the house. God bless you. So good to see each of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, go ahead and share this with your neighbors and your friends as we get ready to study uh, the Word of God. And uh, we want uh, our brothers and sisters, uh, we want to say hello to you who are watching by YouTube as well. Amen. We don't want to leave our our YouTube family out, however you are watching. Uh, so glad that you are joining us on tonight. Amen. Patricia Weatherspoon, good evening to you. Helen Ward, good evening to you from Friendship. God bless you. Good to see you. Uh, Sister Sims, God bless you. Good to see you this evening. Amen. Juanita Norwood, God bless you. Good to see you, Sister Norwood. Brother Stevenson, God bless you, my friend. Good to see you on tonight as well. Amen. Uh, Sister Clark is with us on tonight. Good to see you, Sister Clark. God bless you. Uh, Marie Divinity, amen. Good to see you, Sister Divinity. We're getting ready for our Walton uh, book drive drop in just a few, uh, few couple of weeks, I guess, from now. Is that right? Uh, so we're looking forward to that. Sister Nunn is with us. Mary Burks is with us. God bless you, Sister Burks. Good to see you. Daisy Jenkins. Amen. Y'all go ahead. Continue to share as we get our numbers up. I am happy to report that, at least for right now, y'all, um, it's not raining outside. You know, we have been having rain like nobody's business. Amen. For the last few weeks, uh, it just does not seem to let up. But as of right now, I don't know if it's raining where you are, but here at the church, uh, it is not raining. So we thank God for that. Uh, we pray that it dries up a little bit. Amen. I know it's uh, some some of you are looking forward to getting outside and doing some of your uh, gardening and things of that nature and, and mowing the grass and everything else. And it's just uh, been so wet that we can't do a whole lot. But listen, it's springtime. What else do you know? It's springtime. You want those. Uh, spring showers uh, to some degree. And so we thank God for the rain. Uh, we thank God for, for the sunshine. We thank God uh, for creation itself. He is the creator of all of nature. And uh, so we're thankful that he's in control, whatever it is. And we thank, we're thankful that also on last week um, that, that we were spared any great uh, storms that did any great harm. And so we're thankful for uh, for, for God's protective hedge. Amen. Somebody say, yeah, it's raining where you are. Amen. So we, wherever you, wherever it is, yeah, we listen, thank God that he is the God of all creation. Amen. And so we, I, I guess we, we have some rain in the area. Uh, we pray that it's not too much for you and that you're safe in and through it all. Amen. Listen, let's get ready for the word of God. 
Uh, let's get ready for the word of God. Amen. And why don't we pray and we will get into this study. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, God, for, for your goodness, for your mercy toward us. We thank you, God, that you are the able, awesome God who tends to our needs, who knows what's going on in our lives. And God, that you never leave nor forsake us. It's tough for a lot of us right now for a lot of different reasons. Whether it's grief, whether it's sickness. Some of us are dealing with separation and isolation. Some of us are dealing with anxiety right now. But God, whatever the need is, thank you, Lord, that you know, you see, you are aware in God that you're the God who can change it all. And so, God, we ask now that that which we stand in need of, that by your goodness and by your mercy, you would extend what we need unto us right now in Jesus' name. God, lift depression now. Ease worry and anxiety now. Turn around and restore brokenness. Heal us, those who are sick. Because we still believe, God, that there is a balm. There is a balm in Gilead. And it makes the wounded whole. God, right now we ask that you come into this study of your word. Direct us, direct our thoughts, guide us in the truth of your word. That we might be empowered to live according to your word. Ask it, oh God, we ask it in Jesus' name. For his sake, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. So listen, I want to start tonight um, by talking about something that I think most of us will probably admit that we know something about this experience, okay? We know something about what this, this experience, this scenario that I'm about to describe feels like, because probably all of us have been in this situation at one time or another. Okay. You ready? Um, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's, we've been in this situation with a friend, with a family member, uh, with a coworker, um, with a spouse, uh, a parent, child, whatever the relationship is, we've probably been in this scenario. Here it is. Okay. Someone has said something or done something that has offended you, okay? Someone has transgressed against you, okay? And the transgressor, the person who is wrong, never acknowledges what was done and really just picks up 
where they left off as if nothing ever happened. You ever been there? If you've been there, say, yeah, I, I, I know what that feels like. I mean, they have offended you and 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 they're going on with the relationship just like, you know, nothing was ever said, nothing was ever done. They don't even acknowledge what happened. And you're kind of like left there like, I know. You just going to go. I mean, you you really just going to keep going like like that didn't just happen. You really going to keep going like that wouldn't just say it like. Like you shouldn't back up and say something about that. Anybody ever been there? Right. I'm, I'm seeing some people say, yeah, I've been there. Yeah. You, you know what that feels like, right? You're waiting for an apology. You're waiting for an acknowledgement. You're waiting for, you know, some kind of words that at least the person recognizes that what they said or what they did was out of pocket, right? And even if they don't give a full apology, at least acknowledge that, you know, that was kind of messed up. But instead of any of that, they just push right through, go right on. And you kind of like left there like, really? Nope. We we just we just moving ahead. We we're not even we we're just going, right? Okay. All right. So here it <laughs> yeah, people say I know what that feels like. Okay, good, good, good. I I didn't I didn't I didn't think that would be an unfamiliar uh emotion and feeling for people. I bring it up because I bring it up because last time we were studying together, we were talking about the seven consequences of unrepented sin, right? And if you know what that feels like, right, where someone is just ignoring, ignoring the transgression, ignoring what they did, not even dealing with it, just pushing through and going on with their day and going on with the relationship as if nothing happened, right? How do you think God feels when we refuse to acknowledge our sin? Because you know what it feels like when that person is just pushing on, right? You you know what that feels like. And an unrepented sin in many ways is just like that with our in our relationship with God. It's we've done wrong, we've messed up, and rather than talking about it, rather than confessing it, rather Rather than rather than calling it out for what it was, we just keep rolling. We just keep worshiping God, right? As if nothing ever happened. We just keep showing up to church and getting our praise on. We just keep paying our tithe, right? We just keep studying the word. And we never deal with the sin. We never deal with the trans. We never, we never call it out. We never acknowledge it. We never put it out there and say anything about it because watch this because more times than not we're saying to ourselves well the lord knows right 
God knows. God knows I'm sorry. Right? And 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 we don't give that kind of that kind of grace, right? That, that, that you no, know, no. We want we want the person who messed up to say something to us. We want that person to come to us and say what they did. We want that person to acknowledge it, to admit it, to confess it, so that we can get to the place of repentance. And all I want to start this lesson out by saying is, so does God. So does God. That God wants us to own up to our stuff, to acknowledge wrong, to acknowledge sin, to admit when we've done wrong, rather than just pushing through with our relationship because he's God and because he's loving and kind and forgiving and, and God's got me and all of that. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he does. He, he is loving. He is kind. He is forgiving. He's all of that. But none of that erases the fact that we should confess our sin. And the Bible says, 1 John 1 and 9, 1 John 1 and 9 teaches us that if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess. So there, there, there it is. There it is. Are we willing to confess? And when we talk about these seven consequences of unrepented sin, remember we talked last time that that repent, confession and repentance are not the same thing, but repentance begins at the place of confession. Remember, repentance is turning around. Repentance is changing. Repentance is is doing it differently. It's the 180 uh, in in terms of of turning around, going one way and then going the opposite direction. That's repentance. But repentance begins with confession. It begins with saying, I'm going the wrong way. Now I've got to turn it around. Right? So I want to I want to I want you to I want you to remember what it feels like when somebody who owes you an apology right just pushes on like nothing ever happened. I want you to remember that feeling because that's what we do to God when we refuse to confess our sins. That's exactly what we do to God. That's the position we put God in when we refuse to confess our sin. So that's the confession piece. But what about this repentance piece? What 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 does repentance what does repentance really mean? Because I what I don't want you to do, I don't want you to get repentance confused with feeling sorry. Feeling sorry has its place, 
right? We should feel sorry about sin. We sh there should be an emotional wrangling of the of the heart and of the spirit and of conscience, right? When you've done wrong, there ought to be something in you that, you know, that won't let you rest. You ought to feel bad when you've done wrong, right? You ought to feel bad. But biblical repentance is not about being sorry. Biblical repentance is about being surrendered. Yeah, that'll, that, that's a tweet. That's, that'll preach and that'll tweet. Biblical repentance is not about being sorry. It's about being surrendered. Repentance is not about being sorry. It's about being surrendered. When I am surrendered, I change my behavior. When I am surrendered, I do life differently. When, when I am surrendered, yeah, see, it, it's, it's not just I'm sorry. It's I surrender all. I'm sorry that I messed up but I surrender God now to your spirit. I surrender now to, 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 to you taking residence in my life and to you taking the reins of my life. I surrender. I'm sorry that I messed up. And I surrender now to you taking control of my life. Are you hearing me? So, so repentance, repentance is not just about you feeling sorry. Repentance is about you being surrendered to the presence and power of the spirit so that you change your walk, you change your ways, you change your talk, you change your behavior. Biblical repentance is not about being sorry. It's about being surrendered. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. We should feel sorry, but if we stop at being sorry, we will never make the turn in that is required for repentance. Are you hearing me? So I've got to I've got to feel sorry, but ultimately I've got to be surrendered. I've got to be surrendered. It's not about just feeling bad about having failed yourself or having failed someone. Biblical repentance is about finding the strength to change your behavior. Okay? Change your behavior. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your, your attitude. Rem it, listen, listen. Let me let me say this and I'm gonna get to the I'm gonna get to the oh gosh. Let me say this. It's a, it's a heart matter, y'all. Repentance is a matter of the heart. And as the heart changes, the heart helps to change. When the heart changes, the behavior follows. When the heart changes, the behavior follows. Let, let me, let me, let me, let, T.A., let me ask you to um, um, pull up, pull up um, uh, Exodus. 
book of Exodus. Um, go, go to Exodus chapter 7 for me. Uh, I'll talk a little bit. Exodus chapter 7. But but um, it's a heart matter, y'all. That's, that, that's what's coming. It's a heart matter. Because if the heart does not change, the behavior will stay the same. It's a heart matter. Okay? Exodus chapter 7. Um, and this is where this is where Moses has been called right by God to lead the children of Israel out of out the, to lead the Hebrews out of out of Egyptian bondage, right? And he's convincing Moses, right, to go and have this talk, uh, this talk with Pharaoh. Yeah, Exodus 7. And look right around verses 22, 22 and 23. Uh, around 22 and 23. He's telling Pharaoh, he's telling Moses. Uh, what to say to what to say to uh, Pharaoh, and 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 then he says he says, but wait a minute, understand this. There it is, and the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's watch this heart. His heart was hardened. His heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord has said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house. Neither did he set his heart to this also. Look at this, y'all. What I need you to see here is that because, because Pharaoh's heart was not moved, then he remained at the place of saying, you know what? I don't care what Moses does or what Moses says. I'm not freeing these Hebrews. His heart was not softened or surrendered. Yeah, <laughs> right? His heart was not surrendered to the way and the will of God, but it was hardened in his own way. It was hardened toward his own thoughts. And because his heart did not change, Neither did his ways, which is why I'm saying, if your heart does not change, you will not repent. It's a heart matter. And the heart, when the heart changes, the behaviors follow. Are you hearing me? When the heart changes. So, so, so that, that's, that's why we pray the prayer, Lord, change my heart. Lord, fix my heart. Out of the heart. Y'all talk to me if you can. Yeah. Listen, it's the heart that must be fixed. It's the heart that must be changed. It's, it's the heart that must be dealt with. And until God deals with the heart, right? Until you ask God, Lord, fix my heart. Right, you're you're concerned about what your hands are doing and what the, what your mind is thinking and and what the members of your body are are all, all the sin that listen, but all of that starts with the heart. So Lord, fix my heart so that my heart longs for you. Fix my heart so that my heart desires to please you. Fix my heart. Yeah, there it is. Fix my heart. Fix my heart so that, so that it pants after you. Fix my heart so that 
so that so that my soul's desire is to please you. God, fix my heart. Yeah. And if my heart is fixed, my behaviors will follow. Okay? So, so confession begins repentance, right? And just like we want people to confess when they've done us wrong, to admit when they've done us wrong, so does God want you to confess to him. God wants you to confess, admit, acknowledge sin where it exists. And this lesson has been about what happens when we refuse to acknowledge sin and when we refuse to repent of sin. That's what this lesson has been about. And we've talked about, we've been talking about seven consequences. Uh, last time we met, I think we mentioned four of them, four of the consequences of unrepented sin. Number one, we said unrepented sin brings loss of Christian joy, right? Unrepented sin brings loss of Christian joy, which is why David says in that Psalm, restore unto me the joy of my salvation, right? Remember David? Who, who we we said Psalm fifty one is believed to have been penned after his uh, affair, uh, the sin of adultery, right? And and he says, create in me a clean heart, renew within me a right spirit. But then he says, restore unto me the joy. My joy is missing. One of the one of the consequences of unrepented sin is the loss of Christian joy. I no longer. I no longer have joy and I no longer enjoy. I no longer enjoy, right? The things of God, the people of God, the ways of God, things that brought me joy, right? I used to love being in the word and now it doesn't bring me joy. I used to enjoy gospel music, but now it doesn't bring me. I used to enjoy, right? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Number two, we said unrepented sin quenches and grieves the Holy Spirit and his ministry in your life. Unrepented sin quenches and grieves the Holy Spirit. When we do not confess our sin, we in fact push the Holy Spirit in a corner, right? We we don't give the Holy Spirit access and authority in our lives. We actually quench and grieve the Spirit. Unrepented sin does that. Number three, we said unrepented sin brings reproach on Christ, the church, and the Bible. And we talked about this last time that that when 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 a believer, when a disciple of Christ when a member of the body of Christ lives in sin and refuses to repent of that sin, that that destroys, well, I shouldn't say it destroys, but it chips away at the witness of the church. Because, you know, the first thing that they're going to say is, and he say he saved. Or she says she's a Christian, or or he goes to that church, right? 
And so unrepented sin, when we stay in a path that is that is opposed to the word of God, that is opposed to the, the church of God, that is opposed to the people of God, right? That that brings reproach to the church. It brings reproach to the word of God. It brings reproach even to Christ. Um, and fourthly, last thing we talked about last time we met, unrepented sin causes God to turn a deaf ear to your prayers. And this was one, this was one that I told you up front. We don't like to think like this, right? We like to, we like to believe and we hope to believe that that you know, anytime we pray, the Lord hears us. But I share with you these two passages of scripture that we have to consider. We have to consider unrepented sin and the role it plays in our fellowship with the Father. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3. Isaiah 59, 1 through 3. For those of you who may not have been here, let me share this with you. Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 3 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, right? That it cannot save. His ear is not heavy that it cannot hear. So he's saying, listen, God doesn't have a problem with, 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 with his, his reach. God does not have a problem with his hearing, right? The issue is, he says, but your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he, not that he cannot hear, but that he will not hear. Did you get that? Y'all, that, that's strong language, y'all. Prophet Isaiah says, listen, you got to understand what unrepentant sin does in your fellowship with the Father. It disrupts, it, it, it separates, it causes distance between you and God. And when you live in unrepentant sin and just keep going down the path, you're going down, refusing to admit, refusing to acknowledge and acting like nothing is wrong. The fellowship with the father becomes more strained, more distant. I gave you my shout last week, though, y'all. Or I think it was a week before last. I think I shared this with you. Yeah, I'm sure I did. That that the fellowship with the father is different from the relationship with the father. That was my shout. I don't know if anybody else shouted, but I did. Um, because because the, 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 the parable of the prodigal son shows us that though the fellowship of the son and the father was distanced, the relationship remained intact, such that when the son returned to the father, the father says, go and get, a ring, go and get a robe, go and get shoes and kill the fatted calf. Why? Because my son who was lost has come back home, right? The fellowship had been distanced. He had gone to a far country, but when he came back, watch this y'all, when he watched this, when he repented, when he came back, when he stopped going the way he was going and returned to the father, the father said, my son, y'all missed your shout. 
my son has come back home. So the relationship remained intact even when the fellowship had been distanced, right? That's the good news here. That's the good news here. Lamentations 3, Lamentations 3, verses, uh, verse 42 through 44. Lamentations 3, 42 through 44. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You have slain and not pitied. You have covered yourself with a cloud that prayer should not pass through. Prayer should not pass through. That's another strong passage. And it's one that ought to make us think and make us consider the effects of unrepented sin. Think about, think about a cloud <laughs> so thick that it absorbs the prayers that you pray and keep them from getting through to God. I mean, that's just, a, that's just an image that you ought to have when it comes to the role that unrepented sin plays in our lives. That when we keep going down the path, when we keep ignoring it and acting like nothing happened, when we refuse to admit it to God and acknowledge it and turn around, just picture that in your mind. Get, get that image in your mind. A cloud so thick that it keeps your prayers from passing through. Yeah. What a picture. What a picture. So last three we want to look at. Yeah, the last three we want to look at. Number five, unrepented sin brings chastisement from God. Unrepented sin brings chastisement from God. This is another one of those that we don't like. Um, we don't, we don't really like this. <laughs> we don't like this. Yeah. Because first of all, who likes chastisement? Nobody likes chastisement. But the thing that we don't like to do is link chastisement to sin. And sometimes there is a, there is a direct link, a chastisement from God sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes is directly linked to our sin. Directly. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 7. Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 7. Here we go. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourge every son whom he receives. If you, re if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. What son is there whom a father does not? So here's the first thing we want to see. 
that chastisement is a reality. It is a reality that God, yeah, God chastises us. Yeah, everything is not linked to sin, but some is. And we have to acknowledge, based on this verse, that those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Listen, y'all, y'all, listen. You grew up, most of us on this line grew up with parents who didn't mind disciplining us. Most of us on this line, right, grew up in households and grew up with parents who, who practiced discipline of children. And they did it not because they are abusers, but because they were lovers of their children. They loved us. So they disciplined us. And through the discipline, through the discipline, we learned how to live our lives. Through the discipline, we learned right from wrong. Through the discipline, we began to understand godly values through the discipline. Had there been no discipline, our lives would be out of control. Discipline. And God is our heavenly father who loves us and therefore disciplines us. And sometimes that discipline is directly linked to our behavior. There's no way around that. There's no way around that, folks. Now, listen, listen. Uh, the song was playing this, this, this evening when we came on um, uh, for his goodness and mercy, right? Uh, toward us, we give him praise, right? Uh, thank God. Listen, can anybody thank God that 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 he does not discipline you for everything you've done in life? Is there anybody who who can acknowledge that God has been merciful to you and you can thank him for goodness and mercy? Right? That 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 everything you did the Lord didn't chastise you for it and you can thank your parents that everything you did, they didn't chastise you for it. And you think that there's some stuff that they didn't know about the reason you didn't get a whooping, but actually you found out later in life that they actually knew about it and decided, you know what? I'm not going to get them for that. I, I'm going to let time work some of this out. I'm going to let them learn some things. Is there anybody who can thank God for parents who didn't, who didn't lower the boom every single time? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so God, God chastises those whom he loves. 
Revelation 3 and 19. Revelation 3 and 19. As many as I love, I rebuke. You see that? As many as I love, I rebuke. Now, first, let me stay, let me stay right there for a minute. See, because some of us don't have a lot of real friends because we can't take real rebuke. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, can I preach that for a minute? Some of us don't have real friends because we cannot handle real rebuke. We have surface level, superficial, fake friends because we really don't want anyone rebuking us, challenging us, telling us when we're wrong. But a real friend will look you in your eye and rebuke you. A, a real friend who loves you a real pastor who loves you, a real deacon who loves you. Oh, oh, it's it's, it's gonna get good tonight. A, a real, a real, a real brother or sister in Christ who loves you. See, we we we've gotten we've gotten too we've gotten too thin-skinned in the church. And and every little every every little thing, you know, we, we don't want anybody telling us anything. And and if they do, we'll leave the church and find another church. And, uh, you know, uh, how dare he talk to me like that? How dare her challenge me? Listen, listen, there is a time and a place when folk who are wrong need to be told they're wrong. Y'all ain't going to like me tonight. There is a time and a place when folk who are wrong need to be told you're wrong. And ain't nothing right about it. Ain't nothing right about the way you, you handle that situation. Ain't nothing right about the way you talk to that person. Ain't nothing right about the way you're treating that individual. Y'all ain't gonna like me tonight. But rebuke, Rebuke happens, go back to the verse. Revelation 3 and 19, as many as I love, I rebuke. The rebuke is couched in love. The rebuke emanates from love. The rebuke is a response and a, a result of love. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 we just got to stop being snowflake Christians. Snowflake believers melt, you know, melt when it gets hot. Or, or not even get get got to get hot, just mild. <laughs> right? We got to go find another church cuz cuz somebody said the way I was living was wrong. Who are you to judge me? Ain't judging you, but I but I know right from wrong. 
I don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in, but I can discern right from wrong. And because I love you, I can challenge you to repent. All right. I see y'all didn't stop. Y'all didn't stop responding. Y'all ain't saying nothing much right now. So I guess I got to move on. <laughs> Tell you what ain't going to like me. <laughs> he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and I chastise. Therefore, be zealous and what? Repent. Look at that, y'all. He says, I rebuke, I chastise. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Repent. Stop doing it. Change. Turn around. Turn around. He says, I rebuke you because I love you. Therefore, repent. Therefore, repent. Okay. Um, let me push on. I got just a few minutes left. Number six. Unrepentant sin prevents you from being fully from, I'm sorry, from fully entering into kingdom blessing. And I, I need to explain this. Unrepentant sin prevents you from fully entering into kingdom blessing. Let's look at Galatians. I'm going to let the word, <laughs> I'm going to let the word speak for itself on this, and then we'll come back to it. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Are you ready? Because I know somebody's ready to say right now, Reverend, you, you, you saying I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna get to heaven? Let's let's see what the word says. All right, let's let's look at what the word says. Um. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath selfish ambitions, <laughs> dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice such things, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who, what? Practice such things. Let me go back to the, let me go back to the let me go back to the, the the scenario I painted when we started this study. I said to you, you know how it feels when someone has offended you, transgressed against you, and just keep it moving, right? They just keep they just keep it moving. And they just keep, keep doing, keep going on. Uh, I want to, I want to suggest to you uh, that that is the practice, right? It, there's a practice, right? And and so there is. Watch this. There is, there is the refusal to interrupt what has transpired. That's when you're practicing something, and that's what this is talking about. This is not talking about someone. Um, who commits sin from time to time. This is someone who 
is living in sin, refuses to repent, refuses to change, refuses to confess and acknowledge it, refuses to turn their life around, refuses to do life differently, refuses to surrender, refuses to have their heart fixed and changed. This is the person who is deciding and determining to practice sin. Let, let me let me help you. Let me help you paint. Let me paint that picture a little bit more. Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one. Uh, Romans chapter one. And if you look at verse. Romans one. Um, beginning with verse number 21. Romans one beginning with verse number 21. Uh, and I'm reading, I'm reading from the New Living Translation tonight. Romans 1, verse 21 says, yes, they knew God, whichever ver whichever uh, uh, translation you have, T.A., is fine. Um, whichever one you bring up, it's fine. Uh, but yeah, if, if you got New Living, that's, that's great. Thank you. Uh, Romans 1 and 21 in New Living Translation reads like this. It says, um, yes, they knew God but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever living God, they worshiped idols that uh, made to look like mere people or birds or animals and snakes, Verse 24, so God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Mm. So God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. Remember when I talked about the issue of the heart? When you refuse to tell God to fix your heart, when you, when you keep going the way you're going, right? This is talking about this is talking about uh, in the beginning when 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 man when humanity knew God but refused to accept God as God and therefore made other gods right and what this verse is explaining what Paul is explaining here is that when you watch this. When you continue in your way with a dogmatic fashion and refuse to go a different way, that eventually your heart is hardened, your mind is made up, and God says, right? That, that's, that's what that's talking about. God, another version says something like, and, and the Lord gave them over to a reprobate mind, right? It's, it's when, it's when, yeah, when God turns you over. And allows you to then live out what you are, watch this, practicing. The lifestyle that you are practicing. The behaviors that you are practicing. The sins that you are practicing. When you continue down that road, this verse in Galatians says, those who practice such things 
will not inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Because you have not repented. You have decided, I'm going to live an unclean, an adulterous, an idolatrous, a jealous, an envious, a murderous, a drunken lifestyle. That's what I'm going to live. And when you decide that that's what you are going to do, when you decide that is the life that you are going to live, this says, such people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? This is not those who struggle with sin and who confess and who practice and who practice confession and who and who watch this, who 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 genuinely feel sorry, and the sorry of the feeling of sorrow leads to surrender. This is not those individuals. But it is those individuals who decide, this is my life. This is how I'm living it. All right. Proverbs 28. I'm sorry. I'm, oh, gosh. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 28 real quick. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. That's all I need you to see on that. It. it Listen, when you cover your sin and act like nothing's going on, right? And you just you just want to keep going on with the Lord down the road and show up, you know, like, like here I am again, Lord, but you're not saying anything. You're just acting like everything's cool. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Last one. Here it is. I got two minutes. Unrepented sin opens us up to Satan's deception. Unrepentant sin opens us up to Satan's deception. It's it's exactly what I talked about in Romans 1, but look at Romans 7. Romans 7 verse 11, for sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me and by it killed me. Sin deceived me and by it killed me. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have to say anything, <laughs> right? It, it, because look, what sin does, what, listen, he, here's what, here's what the devil does. And I'm through. Here's what the devil does. Here's what the enemy does. Here's what sin does. Sin practiced without repentance. eventually leads to, um, what's the word I want to use? It eventually leads to it leads to the excuse for sin. It leads to the excuse for continuing in this path. It leads to to your justification of the life that you choose to live. Unrepented sin causes you 
to eventually justify its choice. And, and before you know it, you'll be making up justifiable excuses for why you do what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I see somebody say excuse-based sin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, here it is, and I'm through. Second John, Second John 1, verses 7 and 8. Second John 1, 7 and 8 says, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that that we may have that we may receive a full reward. Antichrist, deceivers going out into the world. We deceive ourselves when when we refuse to acknowledge the role that sin plays and what sin does to us, okay? We, we deceive ourselves, okay? All right, listen, I'm done. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. Thank you so much. We appreciate you tonight um, and listen, um, Okay, listen, let me make sure nobody, listen, we don't respond to PayPal accounts like that, okay? So I, I see that's up. I don't want anybody responding to that. Um, if you need help, uh, contact the church uh, and we will respond to that. But we don't, we don't do PayPal and all that stuff across the line. So no one, please. I know we have hearts to help people um, and I see that. Uh, so contact the church. And we will we will respond to you directly. Okay. All right. God bless you. Thank you for that. Let's pray, you all. Eternal God, our Father, we are grateful and thankful for this night and for this time in your study and in your word. God, we pray that we would live our lives in such a way that when sin is clear, when we see it with our eyes and when we know it in our hearts, God, that we would confess it with our mouths and in the confession uh, that we would be cleansed of unrighteousness. God, we pray now uh, that you would do a work in us, fixing our hearts and fixing our minds, fixing who we are, that we might live according to your way, according to your word. God, we confess our sin. And we thank you that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us and to make us right with you and before you. God, we pray now that you give us strength and power by your Holy Spirit. We pray that we would quench not your spirit in our lives, God, but that you would have full access, and full authority in our lives, God, as we surrender completely to you now. We ask it in Jesus' name. For his sake we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. We will see you soon. Good night.